Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As we say, we've already had church, haven't we? Amen. Would you guys go ahead and stand up with me? Man, I just don't think it gets any better, do you guys? So good, so good. Feel the presence of the Lord in the house, and we are grateful for that. Proverbs 4, 25 and, uh, through 26, and James 2 and 26. If you want to turn your Bibles, we are talking about today and the next couple uh, Sundays here, scattered but not separated. We're going to be talking out of the book of James. It's in seasons like this that we feel like we're scattered. Has anybody felt like you're a little scatterbrained the last year and a half or so? Some, some things going on. Come on, speak to me now. It's okay. We're all family here. right? We feel a little scattered where there's some things that creep up on us when we get scattered. And James is warning people about being scattered. And the thing that we want to realize this morning that Pastor Mike and I want you guys to realize is that we may be scattered. We may be doing church like we've never done and doing some different things. But how many of us know we're not separated? We are under one name and one name alone, Jesus Christ. Son of the living God, right? Doesn't matter what country we're in, what ethnicity we're in, how much money we got in the bank, our education, we've got one name and one name alone, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? So you're not alone, and you may feel like it, and we realize that, because we felt like that some. But we know whenever we're scattered, we have a tendency to withdraw and become introverted, and God hasn't called us to do that. But we can't not only hear, we have to do. Proverbs 4, 25 through 26. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. James 2 and 26, where we'll end today, we'll start there as well. For as the body part, excuse me, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. We're grateful for your spirit in this place. We're grateful for the wonderful comforts that we have to come into your house. And Father, we pray that your spirit would be thick. Speak to our hearts. Use me this morning. We love you. And everyone says? Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for um, tuning online. We're grateful that you're here. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, man, that was good. That was good. Yeah. Like Tanner said, man, we got some barbecue happening outside. We can take a picture out of here. You can go get a box and help a kid out overseas. Get you some barbecue. It sounds like a fall morning. Yes, yes. And then we can go home and watch some football. It's even better. All right. Hey, as we, as we embark on our journey together for the next three weeks here, scattered but not separated, that's really our heart. And we're looking to James for some information. We're looking for, for James in the book of James as Christ used him to speak to us about some real-life situations that happens. Now, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He's an apostle of Christ. In the opening portion of this book, he talks about how he is a bond servant and he is a true follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, believed to be beheaded by King Agrippa for his faith. 
So the information that we gain from this book, it's from that perspective, but it's also from the perspective of, of writing to people who were scattered abroad. In James 1 and 1, he says, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Now scattered uh, means to be, in some ways you can look at it as to be sown. It's how you take ski, uh, seed and you scatter it out and you, and you sow it, but it means to be dispersed. And he's writing to, to these people who've been dispersed everywhere. He's not writing necessarily to a particular church like Paul does many times to Ephesus or, or, or Paul writes to Timothy. He's not writing to a specific pers uh, person, but rather it's to a group who have been dispersed. And these Jews are all over what they would know kind of as the known world at the time. And part of that is due to persecution. Part of that goes back generations and generations and generations ago where, where Israel was taken over and over and over again and people went out and they built new lives and new homes and they were away from their motherland. And then we also have some where the Romans enslaved and they carried them to different places. So this book is being written to people who have been scattered, who have faced things that they didn't want to face. And if there's anything we can say about this last year and a half or two years, we can say that we've been scattered. The good news is we haven't been separated, have we? Yeah, the devil ain't got a chance. Okay, we're a family here, amen? Yeah, yeah, we ain't going to separate one from the flock. You guys ever seen that on National Geographic? Those little gazelles never get away. <laughs> yeah, the guys are like, yes. The woman's like, no. But we're not separated, but we are scattered. We've had church in front of computers, in front of tablets, on cell phones, in living rooms, on patios. Come on now. We, we've had church about everywhere that we can think of. But, but the thing is that the, the gospel hasn't stopped. Church hasn't stopped ha happening, right? We'll preach to empty rooms. We'll preach on boxes in streets. We'll preach this glory gospel of Jesus Christ. And we may be scattered, but we are not separated. And it's a very real feeling, and there's emotions that come with that. And as we look into this book, James brings us to some, some very important things. And as I, as I read this, he says, various kinds of trials. He says, but count it all joy. Although we're scattered, one thing that does not stop is the constant trials that we face. Amen? We, we wish they would stop. I mean, come on, it's already hard enough. I can barely see my family like I want to. I don't know about work. I don't know about this. Now we're going to add more trials on top of that. Oh, yeah. People were dispersed because of persecution. And, and, and like we see families today where they have to move to go get a job or they have to move for some unfore, unforeseen reason. And now they've got family here and they've got family here. And they, they wonder, they, they share this same heavy heart. And the trial still kept coming. And, and James is helping us out on this because as we face trials, one thing that we can lend ourselves to if we're not, we're not understanding is we rely on ourselves to help us get through those trials. We, we rely on our, our self. James is talking to his readers and he's saying, listen, if, if, if you don't go to God and in this situation asking Him for wisdom, but whenever we go to God, we got to believe that He is who He says He is and he, he will do what He says He does. If we don't, we become the wave that's tossed on the sea by the wind that's driven from side to side. And then when we go in and ask... We don't receive because we ask amiss. And, and whenever we're scatterbrained, how many of you guys 
are going to go about everywhere for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Oh, yeah. My wife and I, when we were just married, and then, of course, we have a grandchild. We don't have a grandchild. We have Callie, which is a grandchild. I'm not that old yet. I said that one time, and somebody thought, does Matt already have grandchildren? Like, yeah, I started in the sixth grade. So, I don't have any grandkids. But one thing that I know is that whenever we first started, we'd have to go visit this family, then this family, then this part of the family, and then we wind up taking all of Thanksgiving to travel. I mean, you get to eat six times, but trust me, by the sixth time, the turkey ain't any better than it was the first time, you know? So, so we, we got to that point where we finally said we're just going to go to one place and do one thing a day and make the best of it if we can. And, and, and we know what it's like to be scattered, and you guys know what it's like to be scattered. And, and you have that, and the temptation is that we begin to rely on ourselves. We begin to become unstable and, and double-minded. And the reason why we do that and what a manifestation of that is, is we begin to act quickly on things. We begin to make unwise decisions. That's the reason why, why James is saying, listen, you go to God and ask Him for wisdom, and He'll just lavish it upon you. He doesn't want to hold His wisdom back. He's just waiting for us to ask and engage in it. But whenever we're in trials and we feel scattered, we, we make bad decisions. Because all those different emotions that go to it. And, and whenever James is talking to his readers and he's saying, listen, I want you to go ask God for wisdom, he's talking about a very, very practical kind of wisdom. Do you guys know some of those people who are just extremely philosophical? They have wisdom, but none of it's practical. They show up, this is an example, they show up on the job site to build a house and they've read a book. Never, never hammered a two before in their life but they can frame your house. Better yet, they can tell you how to frame your house. Oh, yeah. Those, 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 that type of situation, James is saying, listen, it's, it's not that. Yeah, there's some philosophy that we have to have, I guess, but he's saying, listen, this is wisdom that helps us in, in understanding that surpasses what we can think in a practical skill. Uh, taking our wisdom and saying, God, how do, we, how do we work it out? How do we do what you've called us to do in the midst of feeling scattered, in the midst of feeling overwhelmed, in the midst of feeling alone? God, how do I handle this? Give me wisdom. And, and Matthew seven twenty six it shows us that practical wisdom. And anyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, this is Jesus talking, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now, there's some great philosophers out there that can really make that verse extremely hard to understand. But Jesus says, listen, if you don't do what I say, that's not a very good idea. It's like building something on sand, and as soon as the sand shifts, the house is going to tumble down. So we have to make up our mind that we go back to the rock and we ask God, give me that practical wisdom in these situations because the trials will not stop. Oh, we might have a break, but the next one will come and we're still facing what we're facing. And God, whenever I go to you, I'm going to believe that you're going to speak to me in a voice that I can understand, in a tone that I can respond to, in a way that I can grasp because there's some things that you want me to accomplish. And listen to me, just because we're going through something doesn't mean the Great Commission has stopped. Doesn't mean just because we're going through something now I need to quit telling people about Jesus Christ. That's what our enemy wants us to do. And we have trials, and they're against us, and that's part of it. But God will take those things which meant to destroy us and turn them for our good. 
And we have to choose to say, God, we are scattered, but we are not separated. And this is what I understand as I look around. You guys are not separate from one another. Now, we live in a world that wants to try to separate us under every possible way and pull us apart. And if you think about it, that's a very demonic way. That's a, very, that's a way that an enemy does it, is if we can separate that one from the herd and go after them. And we do that in various trials. Whenever we begin to lean towards ourselves, and James is saying, listen, you cannot stop, you cannot do that. You have, to, you have to realize that trials are coming. Ask for wisdom. And in those trials, because loneliness creeps up, has anybody ever just felt super lonely? I was in a district baseball game, and we were getting beat 22 to nothing. It was the third inning. And the loneliest spot was not the coach. You know what the loneliest spot on that place was? It was the pitcher on the mound. And some of you guys are chuckling and laughing because you know how that pitcher feels. You've been in situations with your family and your job where you feel like you're the guy on the mound. It doesn't matter what you do. It's quicksand. It's not going to work. And that's what happens when we're scattered. That's what James is showing us, that, that loneliness will creep up, and then we feel like the failure. Maybe it has been, and, and we wonder, do we quit? But, but, but he gives us a prescription whenever we face trials. He says, listen, count it all joy, my brothers. Man, that is easy to say. <laughs> that is super easy to say. But we can't forget who is writing us this letter. This is, is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He saw what Christ went through. Could you imagine living in the shadow of Jesus Christ? Who's your big brother? <laughs> Jesus. He did everything perfect and you don't. Talk about some trials at home. But then he saw his life and what he went through and all the good that he did and people still rejected him. And then ultimately it, lost, it cost James his life. But he still writes before that and he says, listen, we have to count this joy. The prescription is simply as we go through these trials, as we are scattered and we're encountering things that we've never encountered, we must count it all joy. And we have to do it with patience or endurance. And that's not patience or endurance. I'm going to sit back and just wait, God, for you to do something and I'm going to be like the wave. No, it's talking about having endurance in temptation. The Satan and the world and even yourself is going to throw things at you and you've got to make up your mind that I will not give in. God, you are worthy of the endurance. God, you're worthy. I will count it all joy yeah. and you have to have that attitude yeah. probably don't need to yell that loud but it helps sometimes <laughs> just be in the car when you're doing it by yourself <laughs> but we count it joy and we have that endurance and patience and then we go back and we say God I have to have wisdom and then we listen and our faith remains solid because we lean solely on Christ but just because we're scattered doesn't mean that life somehow changes. No, we still have trials. I would imagine as people were scattered and they were going to different places, could you imagine getting your home set up and getting your kids where they needed to be then somebody passes away? I mean, similar things that we've gone through is exactly what they're going through. But, 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 but this is the good news that James teaches us about some opportunities. He's saying whenever you go through these trials, some good things will happen. And we see in, in, in verse chapter 12, 13, and 14 some things that I want to I bring out. See, we have the opportunity to, to continue to show our love to Christ. 
See, to the world, it speaks volumes whenever we love Christ when things aren't working out. Everybody can love Christ when things are easy. Everybody can say, oh God, you're great because things are working out. But when it seems like the whole world is slammed against you, they're mocking you and making fun of you, but we hang on to our faith and say, we will endure. And some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. You've had job battles and you've had battles within your family. Listen, you keep hanging on, amen? In verse 12, it talks about blessed is the man who endures temptation. That's the endurance. We get to show our love for God that we do not have to succumb to temptation. It is temptation that is presented, then we walk away, then we sin. That's the reason why we must combat temptation at all costs. And temptation looks different to different people. The other day I was talking to a pastor, and I said, I'm having an issue. Anybody have any issues? And I said, if, if it was this issue, I wouldn't have an issue with it. And if it was this issue, I wouldn't have an issue. But man, this really makes me mad whenever this happens. And I had to stop in mid-sentence and say, well, that's the reason why it's happening. Because the other stuff doesn't bother you. And your issue is not my issue. Your temptation is not my temptation. But we endure it. And we say we will not give in. And I love verse 13 where it says no one is tempted by God. What do we recognize? We have the opportunity to recognize that God is holy. God does not cause temptation. There is no sin in Him. There is no darkness in our God. Amen. God is holy. And I will shout that out, but I want my life to be lived out that I serve a holy God. I will fight for the things that He says, says is holy. I will fight for the innocence of life. I will fight for marriage. We will fight for our future because these things are sacred why because we serve a holy god and we will endure temptation we will say that god is holy then ultimately responsibility i love it verse 14 chapter 1 each one is tempted when he is drawn away it's so easy to say well god knew it well he might have known he, he might he may have under knew it uh, he did know it but boy that sounded really southern didn't it <laughs> Ugh, that's gonna make me cringe when i watch it later He's going to know it. It doesn't mean he approves of it. I know as a parent, I know stuff before Callie does it. It doesn't mean I always approve of it. But we go back and we say, God, we're going to fight against it. And coming to that point where you say, God, you didn't sin. My wife didn't cause me to sin. My husband didn't cause me to sin. My friend didn't cause me to sin. My church didn't cause me to sin. I sinned. It was me. I had something inside of me that I wasn't willing to endure. And then I was drawn away and I sinned. And what an opportunity because we get that honesty before Christ. Now we can do some open heart surgery because we know what's going on and we'll allow Him to. But we get in that position where we see that God, that our love for God can continue to move forward. And the world looking out that's looking for that real love. We'll see that, amen? James continues to help us, and he says, listen, we're going to get to that point where we can use our godly qualities. We have the opportunities to allow qualities in our life to rise to the surface that we didn't even know we had. You didn't know you were as strong as you are. There's no way we knew the world was going to shut down a year and a half ago. And some of you guys, and most of you guys are still feeding your families. You're still paying bills. You're still finding a, a way. You're going back to work. You're making it happen. 
Because there's some qualities inside of you that trials brought out because you love God and you refuse to give up. You were going to endure, and that's encouraging, amen? And James is saying the same thing. He's Verse 19, he says, so let every man. What does it mean, so let every man? That means this is a personal thing. I've got to work it out myself. My wife can't work it out for me. My church can't work it out for me. Now, they can help and encourage, but there's this thing where I've got to get on my knees and say, God, there's qualities inside of me that I have to work out. Because you're worthy of it. And they're down in there. And he says, listen, be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. And those are really, really hard to do. As you guys are surrounded by your families at Christmas and Thanksgiving, how many guys have ever just wanted to tell your families how you thought? Yeah, you can't do that, can you? I don't know how many salvation prayers I prayed. Mary would always say, every time we go to a family function, you're just praying a prayer of salvation. I'm like, hey, I don't know who's listening. I'm not here to judge, I'm here to invite. (laughs) Thank God for the turkey, thank you for Jesus Christ. (laughs) But we've got to be slow to speech, and and we've got to be swift to hear and slow to anger. And these are the qualities that do not come very natural. But whenever we do that, we're stepping into the righteousness that is provided only through Christ. And we have to dig deep for these qualities sometimes. But you're not so different. You're not on an island. You're not the only one. And sometimes it can feel like that where you go to your family's celebration and, and people are in. And, you, and it's, it's, that, it's that mixed feeling. You know what I'm talking about? Where you're so excited in the moment to have your family, but you know some of them aren't saved and you want to spend eternity with them. So what do you do? What do you say? How do you handle yourself? Well, that's when we got to reach down for those qualities and say, God, I want to hear what people are saying. Help me keep my mouth and help me be slow to anger. Why? Because you're not mad at the person. You're mad at the spirit that drives that person. But whenever we open our mouth and we're not supposed to, it comes across like we're angry at that person and they don't know how to receive it because what we're doing is foolishness to them. So we guard ourselves. But listen, whenever we go through trials, we, we, we are very vulnerable. We're scattered. And, and, and here he's saying, listen, if you will do these things, if, if you will walk in the love that he's provided, if we will understand that these qualities are just on the surface, they're waiting to be pulled out, then how effective we can become. And as we go through this journey and we continue, the thing I want to bring up also is opportunity to go and do. We don't want to just be mere hearers, Amen. We want to go and do. We don't want to say, God, I know that I need to ask for wisdom, and now I'm going to ask for wisdom, but I actually want to walk in wisdom. God, I know that I need to love you. Now I know how to love you, but God, let me go love you. I can see what I'm supposed to do, but I need to lighten my path and pick one foot up in front of the other because it's faith with works, amen? It's faith with works. And here he's writing, this is, gets incredibly interesting to me, because once again, he's not writing to a church, he's writing to people who are scattered abroad, who have seen the persecution of, of Christians, who know that this thing is real. And this is what he says in verse 21, chapter 1, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Wait, wait, I thought these were perfect Christians. They had been persecuted, and then they had been first forced to move off, but it looks like some of them are hanging on to some sin. Why? Let's be honest. 
Because whenever you go through some persecution and trials, you start reaching and grabbing for stuff. I need something to ease the pain. I need something to hold my hand. I feel lonely. And instead of James getting mad and condemning on to hell, he's saying you cannot do that. See, sin looks so attractive when we're scattered. Sin looks so attractive when we go through trials because we have to endure temptation. There's some self-discipline that we have. That's the reason why he talks about the sin of favoritism. And he, he warns about showing partiality to others. He, in the example, he shows a rich man who gets more attention at a service than a poor man. But wait a second, he's not writing to a group of church people. He's writing to people who are dispersed. And I love it because he goes back to some of that good old wisdom that he, re that he said that we need to go after. And he goes back and he pulls something that they would understand. You remember in the New Testament, whenever, whenever the tax collector went in and then there's this Pharisee that was high and he looks back and he says, I thank God that I am not like other men. And he points to him. And, and James brings up this point. He said, why are you attracted to people like that? These are the people who oppose you. These are the people who drag you into courts. These are the people who put you in chains. Well, because we're drawn to things that we think will benefit us. And sin looks tempting. It looks beneficial. See, whenever he talks about this guy, it's the exact picture of sin. Because sin will drag you and accuse you. Sin will cuff you. And sin will take you to a place that you cannot get out of. But we have a tendency to do that in trials. And why do we have a tendency to do that? Because the pain that you feel, the emotion that you feel is very real. Because you are scattered. We have been scattered. We don't know everything. At one point, we didn't know what was going to happen from week to week to week. And we were trying to hang on and it made us vulnerable. And to some degree, many of us still are vulnerable. And we're not here to judge, but we look into James, James's book and we understand that there's much deeper, deeper principles here. That he's saying, listen, acknowledge that you're scattered. Acknowledge that, that, that this is that season where, where things can distract you. We all want to be around family. We all want to have those good times. We all want to do those things. But this is one of those seasons that becomes so easily to be distracted because we're looking for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And the only danger about that is we let down our guard. Satan swoops in and things begin to happen that destroy us. All the while we're having a good time because we're celebrating Christ's birthday. But we forget to read our Bibles, we forget to pray, we're just coming to church or doing it out of routine because everybody goes to church on Thanksgiving Christmas, right? That's, that's what we do. And James is saying, no, don't let down your guard. We look at these trials, see, when we look at these trials, we look at being scattered and we count it all joy. We're looking into the face of it, saying, not bring it on, but we say, we know what we're going to encounter. And we're not going to back down because we know Christ is behind us. We know that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And I don't know what you've been going through. I do know that it's real. I do know the emotions that you've been feeling are real. You have family moved up here and family down there. You lost your job. Now you have a job. You don't know what Christmas is going to look like. Probably look like different than last year. What's my health going to be? I've had some struggles there. And these things that were going in and you're scatterbrained and you feel like your family's everywhere and you're like, what is going on? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to encourage you and tell you, you may feel scattered, but you are not 
separated. First of all, you have us as a church family to love you, to pray for you, to care for you. We know ultimately that we have Jesus Christ as our shepherd. And if one wanders away, he will leave the 99 to pull them back to the flock. So yeah, you're scattered, but you're not separated. And what you've been going through, we know that God will turn that around for our benefit. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you so much for our time together this morning. And as we bow our hearts and our head, we come to you in a moment just asking for your help. We don't know everything that is still before us. We do have hindsight and we do know some of the things that we have endured. But we don't know what's ahead of us. We do know that as Christian believers, though, that our enemy will try to fight us. But we know that you are on our side. And that's all we need. And Father, for the individuals that's listening online or in the audience that really feel lost. They feel scattered. And they, they don't necessarily understand everything that we've spoken about, but they know that their heart is in a, in a position that when we talk about Christ, they know that they need Him. They know that they want You in their life, Jesus. And with hearts bowed, we pray for Your grace and for Your mercy to become so real to those individuals that they would surrender their heart and life and salvation unto You. No matter where they're at in their life, God, You can heal them, You can help them. You'll walk with them, but they have to give you their life and say it's yours. And as your heads are bowed and you're listening online, the first step in that is you coming to the place where you say, that's me. Christ, I need your help. I need to surrender my life and follow you. Accept you as Lord and Savior. And then like James says, I'm not only going to hear, but I'm going to do. I hear you speaking to me. So I truly surrender my life. And here as a church body, we don't want to just simply give you that opportunity without saying that we're here to help you walk through it. And the first stage of that is always saying, that's me, Pastor Matt, I, I need help, I need prayer, I need to give Christ my heart. And if that's you, while every head is bowed, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to raise your hand and say, Pastor Matt, that's me. I want to invite Christ into my heart. We want to let you know that we're here for you and we love you. For my brothers and sisters who feel like you've been so scattered, James understands. 
you feel like it's been trial after trial and it's weighed heavy on you. And as we approach the holiday season, you foresee more of that. Just know that Christ is on your side, that you don't look at the trials as something that's tried to hold you back, but you look at them as an opportunity for Christ to move in your life. For you to love Him like you've never loved Him, for qualities to arise in your life that you didn't even know you had, and for the opportunity to go do things that maybe you never thought you could do. But we want to let you know that what you face is real and it's hard. And we're here and we love you and we want to pray with you. Would you guys stand with me all across the building? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.